Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Katora. I love chatting with her. We talk about her journey from getting married at 19, how to reinvent yourself, her personal development journey, and how she created her podcast, The Social Recharge Podcast. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Katora, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you, getting to know about your story. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I'd love to know, how did you get to the place you're at right now? How did you get into coaching? And what has that been like for you? So coaching, um, actually, I kind of stumped, you know, here's the funny thing. I feel like I've stumbled into almost every career I've ever been in. Um, From being a teenager selling high-end jewelry, to becoming a high school teacher, to becoming a social worker, to becoming a coach, it's always been something situational going on in my life that just kind of happened. And here we go. But, but in a nutshell, coaching became more of a, a desire to give back a desire to uh, help other women at a higher level, because I wanted to create a space where I could share and give to women what I know I needed at a specific time in my life. Um, and that was more, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to give away my age. I'm going to tell you my age. <laughs> so I'm 38. <laughs> I'll be 40 next year. So I'm, I'm, I have a birthday coming up at the end of the year and I am looking forward to turning 40. But in my early to mid thirties, I had some major life shifts happen for me. Um, so there was a divorce and after 12 years, I had four children from that, div- uh, from that marriage. Uh, so I became a single mom. Then within a year, I remarried someone really quickly. Um, we met and then eight weeks later, we got married. But at that time, my children were dealing with the divorce between me and their dad. So there was like a little bit of healing that they needed, you know, Um, and my son who I inherited from my marriage, 
his mom was deceased. And so my husband, he lost his wife. Three weeks later, we met. Eight weeks later, we got married. So between the death of his mom to me and his father getting married, that was 11 weeks. And then on top of that, there, I had already shifted my job one time before. The year before, I had, I had started a different job. And when I got married, I just couldn't see myself working and just living life as usual because there were so many moving parts, you know, and I, and I just mentioned all of them. So I decided to take a break from work. Uh, but again, you know, as a woman who has always been working, I've been working since I was 14. So it's kind of hard for me to stay home and not go to work, you know? So, um, I started doing uh, just a little work on the side and I was working as a behavioral assistant, which led to me becoming a social worker. And around that time, I personally was dealing with a lot of transition and a lot of transformation, inner transformation, which we can probably, you know, kind of go into detail with later. And so once I experienced, I had a, a specific encounter in 2017, which just had me thinking, wow, women, women need, number one, women need this. But the other thing is that there were so many layers of need that I had that I wasn't aware of. And after, after whether it was doing my own internal work or personal development or inner healing or learning here or uh, seeing someone, you know, sometimes you need that. Um, you know, just seeing a professional, then I said, you know what, this is time for me to take all my expertise and my experience and bundle it up in a way that I can show up for women, you know? So, so that's really how it started. <laughs> I would love to, for you to talk about your pivots. It seems like you've pivoted in your careers and what helped you through the pivots? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of pivots, um, and many of those pivots had to do with me being a mom. Um, I, did I mention that I was married at 19? I don't know if I said it. No, you didn't say it. You were I said it, it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was 19 years old, I got married. I was in college, but when I got married, things shifted really, really quickly because I got pregnant with my daughter. And within, I, actually, before my first year anniversary, I was already a mom, you know? Um, and so... It was like, okay, you're a mom and you're 20 and you're just trying to figure this thing out. Uh, so as I was trying to, you know, aspire to a career, aspire to having something that I could say is mine and that I could contribute to the marriage, um, I also had the responsibility of being a mom. And so every time I would get a job, I the needs, the needs of my home always kind of overrode that. So I always, I, I always performed well on the job, but I just never stayed in any job because I had children. And so I, by 20, I had the one, by 21, I had the two, by 23, I had three. And so I always would take work around my children's needs and around their schedules. Um, and, and that, that's, been a it's been a constant thing because even now when I transitioned from being a social worker to becoming a coach one of the biggest things was well my children need me at home 
um, and my mom, my husband, sorry, he started calling himself Mr. Mom and he wasn't saying it nicely. <laughs> you know, basically he was saying, I'm tired of being Mr. Mom. And so I had to figure out a way, but what really, you know, to answer your question, what really carried me through was understanding that, you know, at work, a lot of times we give our all to the job, you know, and I've always been very motivated when it comes to work and also had good work ethic. But I've always had to remind myself, Katura, if you drop dead tomorrow, they will mourn your loss and they will find somebody else to replace you. Um, so I always held on to that. Uh, in my mind. So, you know, just carrying things loosely um, with work, that's helped because that's how you separate yourself. You know, you can get, when you're a nurturing heart, you can give and give and give so very much um, and wear yourself out. But really understanding how do I kind of um, balance the two? Giving with so much but still nurturing my personal needs as well. So that, that has been the overarching uh, thing for me. And like being a coach and working with clients, do you use the same like work on your clients, on your kids? Do you bring that into your house as well? <laughs> <laughs> so yes and no. Uh, and the reason I say yes and no is yes when they when my kids permit me to. My kids are extremely assertive, and sometimes I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. <laughs> you know, and and again, it goes back to when I was in my twenties. Like I was learning life, I was figuring life out myself, and the only way I could make the experience fun was if I just took them along on the ride with me. You know, so I was like mommy, but I was the fun mom, you know, I was, I was just the cool mom. But at the same time, I would tell them, speak up for yourself and don't let anybody, you know, bully you and all of these things. And I would teach them as I was learning. And then now they're teenagers and they turn around like, um, hold on, don't use your coaching stuff on me. <laughs> They will tell me, are you psychoanalyzing me? You know, and I'm like, no, I'm being your mom. And I'm telling you, this is what it is. But so to, so to answer your question, the reason I say yes and no is because if I do, I have to be very, very um, stealthy at it because they can pick up on it. They, they pick up on when I'm using a tactical approach or a strategy um, on them. And they, they actually don't like it at all. <laughs> and what was your journey like into personal development? What was the starting point for you? Starting point. Okay. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know if that was the starting point or if that was where it crashed, you know, like, but I've always been intuitively working on myself. Like to say that, oh, I just had this one big one day I woke up and had an aha moment, that would not be true. There have always been events in my life, you know? Um, a, major, uh, a major event in my life happened when I was 16 and it was tragic. Then four months later, another tragic event happened that 
caused my entire life as I knew it to shift. And I've had these big mile marker moments, but I think the biggest one for me was, so I was 33, so that's about six years ago. Oh, dear God, I feel old, right? (laughs) So I was about 33, and I had just gotten remarried. And um, prior to getting remarried, I had gone through a year of what I call a YOLO spree. And go figure, YOLO, right? Yeah, everything that um, you know, I, I, I essentially was still a ch- child to some extent when I got married. So I just lived my life through my first husband's eyes and, oh, through his lenses. Yeah, I kind of did, you know? And then when I, when I kind of grew up into my own, it was like, well, I don't want this marriage anymore. And I did not have, I did not have the right skill sets to, express what I wanted without hurting him. So there was a lot of pain involved in that marriage ending. But after the marriage ended, I was like, hey, everything you never had a chance to do, now is your chance, have your fun, live your life, blah, blah, blah. But on the tail end of that year, there was a lot of pain that I experienced. And many things came full circle for me. And I remember... September 28th, 2014, my life was in shambles. It looked good on the outside because I had just landed a corporate job and I was making good money. I was well on my way to um, earning six figures. So I had every, you know, a black woman in corporate America, you know, all of that stuff. I felt accomplished, but I was so emotionally drained and devoid of everything that I needed. And I just like, I, I, I remember exactly where I was and I cried out to God and I said, God, get me out of this mess. My life is a mess. The person I'm with, this relationship is toxic. You know, it's just a mess. And a week later, I ended up breaking up the relationship with that guy. I, re- I drove home from Pennsylvania to New Jersey thinking, That was a strong, it took a lot of strength to do that, but are you ready to deal with the withdrawals? Because I was really attached emotionally to this person, but they were not healthy for me. It was not good at all. And, but I remember saying, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. You did the right thing. And I just kept telling myself that. Ironically enough, that night, So a week after I made my prayer, God, save me, get me out of this mess. And then I broke up. I had the strength to break up with the guy. I met the man that I'm now married to. And I remember telling him like, oh, I just broke up with someone. And da, 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 da. You know, just giving him the whole story. And eight weeks later, here we are. Wedding bells are ringing. And I thought all my troubles are over. I got rid of this guy. He's history and et cetera, et cetera. I don't have to worry about anything. But in a nutshell, what I'll say is I had a lot of issues within the tissues and and they showed up. These issues showed up five months later, five months into my marriage. And uh, it got to an ugly point where I gave my husband the option to leave. I told him, you know, you have every right to leave this marriage. If you don't want to be in it, I get it. I completely get it. But sometimes you need somebody to see you 
in a way that you don't see yourself so that you can start to reimagine yourself with the potential that's there. And that's what my husband did. You know, he said to me, when I told him, you can leave me. And back then I had a lot of walls, okay? A lot of defense walls. These walls were like tower high, you know? So you couldn't tell me nothing. And he said to me, why would I do that? You're my wife. But those words that my husband said to me, they shook me at the core because it's like, now I was under a microscope with all the light shining on top of me and I had nowhere to hide. You know, if I could run away into my, my little blame game, I couldn't blame anybody anymore. I couldn't make an excuse anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't say, well, you know what? Things don't work out for me because men are, you know, all the different things. Because now here I had a man who I gave every reason not to be with me. And he was like, okay. And I still made a vow to be with you. I'm here. And so I had to ask myself, Katura, who do you need to become so that you can be in that seat, in that place in this marriage and be worthy, you know? And it's not about me becoming worthy on my own, but it was about me being ready to embrace all my imperfections, all my flaws, and do the work that was necessary. And I think I said to you earlier, there was a lot of hard work involved, but a lot of heart work that was involved as well. Um, and so that's where it really started, with a posture of my heart, understanding what is the posture of your heart and what are you bringing to the table, whether it's in the form of defense, defense masked as strong or insecurities masked as I don't care, you know, all of these things kind of came up for me. And it took me about a year of like a year and a half, maybe of deep, deep, deep work um, that, um, that, and, I, and I'll share with you my little framework that, that I noticed, if I look back, what, what I had to do to see a change happen, you know, it, it, it was through this framework, which I call the power, um, the bold power framework, you know? Um, but that, that, yeah, definitely. That's a long answer. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. I love the long answers. <laughs> yeah. Could you go into that framework? So, yeah, so I, you know, I put it into the word power and it's really easy to remember. So I said the first one, which was a posture of heart. Uh, when I, like, when I went through my transformation, the first thing was understanding the posture of my heart when it came to so many things, whether it was relationship, how I was showing up, how um, I was being like, you know, experiencing a lot of cognitive dissonance and coming from a therapeutic and social work background. I knew all these things up here, but I didn't have it here, you know? Um, then the second thing I had to do was really embrace ownership. And that's the O, uh, ownership of myself, my behaviors, what I'm contributing, what I'm not contributing, um, who I'm showing up as, uh, mis mistakes, especially the blame game, the ownership part, that was important because I realized that it's only in owning some of the things that I was always pushing away 
that's when I was able to overcome it. So I always say now, you own it so you can overcome it, you know? Uh, then the third thing was now it was like, okay, well, where do you go from here? Where do you, how do you decide what's going to happen? What's important to you? What's important for your relationship? And even my career sometimes, um, what's important for my own personal wellness, my own personal development. And I had to begin to look at things from a worth assessment perspective. So it was like, when you understand what something is worth, and I'll give you an example. My husband, he is a romantic man. Uh, by the books, romantic, okay? <laughs> but sometimes I would not value what he was bringing to me. And it's like, well, I'm busy. I'm working. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to do all of this so that you don't have to work so hard. But it was worth nothing to him because all he wanted was my time. And here I am trying to be this strong, powerful woman so that I can help my husband. But what I was considering help was hurting my marriage. And so doing that worth assessment and understanding, okay, well, how can you still show up powerfully, but still add value to the things that you say matter to you? So that's number three. And number four is the E, that was empathy. Uh, there were many areas in my life that the only way I could get through some of the emotional hurdles was to not think about it, not to feel. Um, and you know, that, you know that saying that goes, you have to have thick skin to get through life, to get through this, to get through that. I realized for myself, when I started practicing empathy for people, empathy for situations, that it wasn't so much about having thick skin. It was having a healed heart. Because when you have a healed heart, that heart can stay soft. And the ugliness on the outside doesn't have to produce ugliness on the inside. Um, so that was, that was something for me. And, and the empathy part, of course, when I'm coaching people, I break it down so that it's applicable to them. So, so that's part of my coaching framework. And then the final one was the R, which is a renewal of the mind. And this is where the mindset work comes in, which is part of the work that I do. You can, you can know what to do, but if you're not, you, and you can have all the steps, but if you're not renewing your mind daily, and this part is where it gets spiritual for me, you know? Uh, but if you're not renewing your mind daily, it's so easy to just kind of go through the, go through the motions and not see results because it's like, okay, well, I'm following this person's five steps to freedom or the whatever, whatever challenge and not having that real heart connection with it. And so this is where the mind and heart kind of have that fusion taking place. And so, so that's what the power, the bold power uh, framework looks like for me and for the people that I work with. Um, when, I, when I was going through my transformation, it was just more organic and intuitive. But as, I, as my life started changing and as people started saying, hey, something's different about you. How did you get, you know, this kind of result in three months and you've been married for this amount of time, how are you able to get your kids in line where they could be 
cutting themselves right now because you got married and it seems like everything is just happy-go-lucky. And I would explain to them, it's not just that. It's, it's a number of things in place. And, and as I started digging deep to try to find out, well, what is it? So that I can also uh, share it with other people. I realized, yeah, these, these are the, the, the events that happened in my life and in my transformation to, uh, to really create an indelible kind of um, shift for me, you know? And can you go into the story of how you met your husband? And also maybe how, how did you <laughs> let your walls down too? What was that process like? You're going to the deep <laughs> stuff. Oh my god! You're like, uh huh. I want to know. Yeah. I love to know everything. Um, you know, that was like I just say that was an act of God because my husband, when he met me, he came to meet me because he had already made up his mind that he was going to marry me. I, on the other hand came to meet my husband because um so he is like he's a pastor but he's like the most unconventional version of a pastor that you're ever going to meet like he's the guy who will preach with his shirt open and you (laughs) yeah so I at the time Remember, I told you that I broke up with someone that afternoon. I came home. I was sad. And I lived in my sister's um, downstairs. She had an apartment downstairs. And I lived there. But I always came upstairs to get my mail because, you know, it was one address. So um, she could tell that I was down. And she said, you know what? You need to speak to someone. And I said, I don't want to speak to a counselor or a therapist who's just going to yes me and not their head I want to speak to someone who's been there who knows what it's like to be through the thick of it and you know I told her all of that and she said oh I have just the person but there was a story behind that story that I knew nothing about apparently um so when I when I came to meet him you know again because he's a pastor for me it was like okay I'm gonna meet with somebody who's like spiritual on a level that I need I, I just need someone to pour into my life and pour into my, you know, situation and give me wisdom. And so that night that I came to meet with him, I was, I thought I was meeting somebody for their wisdom. And I told the man everything. Like, remember I told you I had a YOLO spree? I told him the whole thing. You know, it's like I was at confession. Okay. I told him everything about myself, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. I left nothing out. And um, he was like, okay, well, you know, here's my experience. And there's nothing that I haven't gone through that God can't do. And I'm like, oh, God, there we go. But remember, I had prayed a week before, right? Like, God, help me, help me, help me. Save me, save me, save me. Um, But I was like, oh, he's giving me the God story. Okay, great. Sure, thanks. However, the more he kept talking, the more I leaned in because he was giving me such an authentic, just an authentic version of truth that, that as much as I was like, I don't want to hear any of that stuff. 
I could hear the healing in his voice. And I just kept listening and listening and listening. And within four hours, I said to him, why does it feel like you're talking to me as if you're getting ready to propose to me? And then he goes, oh, wait, your sister didn't tell you why I came here to meet you? And I was like, no. And then he explained to me that, you know, he had had a serious encounter with hearing about me and he just knew that this was, this was divine. And I was like, ah, what? Divine? I barely know you, bro. Uh, but I said, okay, this man is crazy. I remember I deleted his phone number. The minute I went home, I deleted his number. I said, this guy is psycho. He thinks I'm his wife. You barely know me. And he, he was just like, yeah, you're the one. I know it. Like, there's nothing to it. You are the one that I'm supposed to marry. Uh, so I, I, I prayed and I said, okay, well, God, if this is you, show me a sign. And I got one sign, two signs, three signs, four signs. When I got to seven signs, I said, okay, I don't know what in the world I just got myself into, but I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to trust that God's divine way, it's, it's going to make everything work out. And, and it did. I mean, but again, it didn't just like abracadabra happen. There was a lot of healing that I needed to go through that I wasn't aware of. I usually tell people I had a lot of issues within the tissues that I did not even know were there. And sometimes in life you have to, you know, you meet, we meet people. And, and with my husband and me, I always say it was serendipity. It really, really was serendipity. Somebody may have a different encounter where it's like, well, we dated for a year and we dated for five years. In my case, we dated after we got married. (laughs) (laughs) We dated after, you know, but what I know looking back now is that compatibility is such a huge part of it. You know, sometimes people go into relationships because they want to be happy and they don't go into it because like, if you don't go into something whole, you're bringing a, you know, you're bringing so many broken pieces in, you know, and if a person is going to bring that many broken pieces in, it's so important to have somebody in your life that's really willing to absorb and not just willing, but able to absorb a lot of those, those pressures, I will say, you know, in a nutshell, because it takes time. It takes a lot of work and marriage is like relationships in general um, are the way I'm about to describe. But I think marriage is like being under a microscope. Like you see all your faults all your faults, you know, Um, and being married to the man that I'm married to now, I I saw all my faults and he he gave me no option to leave. Like, oh, I'm out. Nope, 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 nope. You're going to stay right here and we're going to work through this. We're going to work through this. And and, and so being a, now that I've had that encounter, I'm able to help people identify where they need to strengthen up a little bit because Sometimes we want to quit 
we want to we want to throw in the towels we want to say no that's not for me but no you got to stick it out because the toughest part is where your muscles grow um and i say this of motherhood too like some of the toughest parts of like the toughest parts of my life were in my 20s as a mom trying to just trying to figure life out but i look back now and i see wow even my job at when i when i became a social worker i got that job because i was a mother because of all the hardships that i went through you know and and when we're in hardships it feels like man this sucks this is just terrible but there's always something beautiful on the other side that only when you make it to the other side will you see the full picture you know so it's worth it to just hang in there definitely and know your power yeah. I'd love to know, is your, is your partner and you both into personal development? How do you guys work on yourselves together? Do you work on yourselves individually and your relationship? How do you balance them both? So the answer to your short answer to your question is yes. But the approach that my husband and I take, it's very different. So my husband, he's a pastor. And so everything for him is just okay, the Bible and where is God in this? And okay, boom, 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 boom. It, that's him. So if he cannot translate it back to something that's in the Bible, he's like, okay, I don't want to hear it. I, on the other hand, I'm like the totally opposite, you know? Um, I will, and when I say opposite, it's not like I don't embrace the scriptures. I do, but I, tr- I, I look for different ways to apply it where Let's say I'm talking to somebody who's not spiritual, right? How can I apply the principles that are like pivot, like, like a pinnacle part of my life that are fundamental to my life? How can I apply those principles to somebody so that they can still experience what I experienced, right? And, and have the results that I've had in my life. Um, so that's, that's where we differ, um, in our approaches. And also because I come from a clinical background, I take in a lot of those clinical applications and I put it in there. Whereas for my husband, he, he will take some of his lessons from the school of hard knocks and apply it back to scripture. And that's how he does it. Whereas for me, I'll take the lessons from my life and you know, what I understand from behavioral studies or what I've, what I've experienced in personal growth and I'll interweave it in that way so that it takes more of a structured approach, whereas he takes more of an intuitive approach to things. What's something lighting you up right now? What's something you're excited about? What is something I'm excited about? Oh my, let me tell you. So, um, <laughs> so in a nutshell, when I, when I got to that place where I felt like I could come up for air in my own personal development, I started a project called the social recharge and the social recharge actually became my business. Um, my coaching, everything was around the social recharge, me going to do workshops, speaking, just everything. The social recharge then eventually became a podcast. And in light of in light of the many changes that are going on for us nationwide, right? We have a lot of 
civil, how do I say it? Civil unrest that has erupted and has come to the surface. I chose to take a, a shift in some of the interviews that I was doing, but I still wanted to remain consistent with my core message of helping women uh, transition, right? And helping women really discover their potential for impact and for personal growth and for, you know, income. If, if, if as they did the work with me, they could see, whoa, hey, you know? So, so what kind of happened is that I niched down a little more in my work area, which has become what, what's uh, getting ready to be launched as the Momentum Woman. Um, and the social recharge kind of opened up in its umbrella where we were only focusing on women and personal development, but I have a natural knack for connecting people. And so I've seen that the direction the podcast is going is really focusing on building relationship and coming together one conversation at a time. So it's, it's a really, really interesting dynamic for me because on the one hand, I'm, I'm, I'm niching down even more and almost rebranding all in, in a way, but then seeing something blossom, which started with me just having my own personal one conversation at a time with myself to it becoming conversations about uh, police reform and relationships and, and a lot of the social uh, stuff that's going on for people. So that is lighting me up because I'm like, whoa, I'm one person and I'm passionate about seeing women uh, develop and, and really just unleash all that's on the inside of them. But I'm also a connector. Um, I'm really, really big on connecting people and just looking for opportunities for us to show more love to each other, you know? Um, and so, so these things light me up tremendously, yeah. What's something most people don't know about you? What is something most people... <laughs> she is going. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> you are not moving fast. <laughs> I love it. Okay, something that most people don't know about me is that as much as I am extroverted in nature, I can actually be really shy in situations and hide it very very well. Yeah. If you had one week left, what would you do in that one week? <laughs> One week left on this planet. Mm. Wow. <laughs> oh my, this is hard. You know, I always used to say that that at, at the heart, I'm a humanitarian, you know? And then when situations come in life, then you really, really ask yourself, um, I used to do a lot of, a lot, a lot of charity work, right? And my, I remember my ex-husband saying to me, you're Mother Teresa to everybody. I need Mother Teresa at home. 
And I would say that, you know, in the past, I was like Mother Teresa to everybody, but Medusa to myself, because I wasn't taking care of me. I wasn't giving the best of myself to me. I gave the best of me to everybody, but not to me. So with that being said, I would probably, the only way I could get the best of both worlds where I would do something that could fulfill me, but at the same time still nurture my need to help and give and be, uh, it would have to be some form of travel that was geared towards some relief work. But in a week, you have jet lag. So I would have to be really, really, <laughs> I would have to be really intentional about where I travel to. But I would want to travel to a place that I've never been before um, and be around people that I was most uncomfortable being around. I would probably put myself in the most uncomfortable situation um, and just take in the beauty of all that exists in our differences and in our uniqueness, but at the same time, give the best of myself. So, so I would go to some war-torn country maybe right now, <laughs> mm -hmm. if I had one more uh, week. But before I did that, I would leave a voice recording for all my children and tell them how much I love them and tell them, please understand why mommy chose to go that way with her one week that she had left. <laughs> And when you're having an off day, what do you do to shift your energy? When I'm having an off day, what I do is it's easy to shift when I start thinking about, well, all the blessings, all the blessings that I have. And gratitude is such a key thing because the minute you start exercising gratitude, you start, whether it's through journaling, through prayer, through songs, um, or through just, you know, I live in the woods, you know, and, or just walking, you know, just, just go walking in the woods, take in everything that's there, the nature, the fresh air, the clean, just the cleanness of everything. It's easy to, for me, at least when I have an off day to just go that route and come back, um, you know, and I'll just say briefly, I didn't grow up in America. Um, I grew up in a country that many people vacation to, and it's a great destination. But on the one hand, there's beauty all of, you know, there was beauty all around me, but there was a lot of poverty around me too. And the, hard, the, the, the worst hardship I've ever experienced in America is still good compared to some of the hardships I grew up experiencing. So. I just always try to count my blessings, you know, like really, really count them. Um, and by doing that, it puts things back into perspective for me a lot, you know? So. What's your go-to mantra? Um, it's actually a scripture uh, and you can find it in the Bible. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. And I like that scripture because it's like, let's say, and going back to using your example, I'm having an off day. 
when I'm reminded that everything I need, I actually have the power on the inside of me, um, you know, and of course I have to access it through the divine knowledge of, 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 of my creator. But then it tells me, okay, how, how willing are you? How, how committed are you? How much work do you want to get done? And the level of, the level of accomplishment is really based on my level of input. It's based on my level of commitment. And of course, there are circumstances in life that happen that are inescapable. And I'm not talking about those, but I'm talking about being in that place where, we're, where I'm centered, where I am in alignment, where I know that even if things are not going the way I want them to go now, that they're actually going to work out for my good. Like that, I say that all the time, all the time. Uh, there's another one. If I can give you a second mm-hmm. one, um, it's that your influence, this one is more external and it's more, the one I just gave was more internal and for me. But the second one is more about my relationships and my interaction with people. It's your influence, like your shadow, will reach places you haven't been. And I remember that. I remind myself of that. And I live it that daily because, again, it's not just about the one moment. It's about beyond me. It's about beyond this moment, beyond my own whether it's pain, frustration, any of those things, like your influence. So then when I put myself in that frame of mind, it's like, okay, again, what do you want to contribute? What do you want to bring to another person's life? What do you want to bring to a situation? And then it kind of causes me to shift my, and I'll give you another social recharge key, shift my attention, my awareness, my application, and my accountability. It gives me that frame of mind where I'm able to just make those quick four shifts so that, again, I can show up as the best version of myself so that I can encourage people to be the the best version of themselves as well. What's something you're learning right now? I am learning that... I'm learning that there's a lot of power in being graceful. You know, when we think about empowerment, especially women's empowerment, we think of strong women, right? Um, But there are so many different ways to be strong. And this is something that I'm rolling out in the new program that I'm, that I'm, that I'm introducing, which is Momentum Woman because I've been studying women, I've been studying our tendencies, I've been studying the things that make us tick or the things that when our backs are against the wall, what do we do and how do we, how do we pivot? You know, how does a woman take a little bit and maximize it, right? How does a woman carry so much on her shoulders and still stand up strong, right? And in my study, I, I think I, I, I researched well over 200 women and I pulled out some of the best qualities in us to come up with a framework for five different forms of um, being the momentum woman. And in looking at that, I said, you know, 
we're so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for because we look at qualities that are like feminine qualities and it's so easy to toss it aside as weak, but we can be strong in our femininity. You know, we can be so powerful and embrace the feminine energy. And so, um, so that's something that I am really, really digging deep into. And I'm excited about it because I look at myself, I'm almost 40 and there are things that I'm like, yo, I don't have time for this. You know, like <laughs> things that maybe in my 20s or my 30s, I would say, okay, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. Now there's no time. I'm about to hit 40. My gray hairs can prove it, you know? And I look at my own self and I could see how I've gone through some of these different phases, you know, of the Momentum Woman. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's been something exciting that I'm learning. And how do you tap into your feminine energy? Well, number one, it's knowing that it's okay. It's like absolutely okay to be me and to be nobody else but me. You know, you think about women and you think about many of the things that we've been exposed to, like, you know, pageantry and the pomp. And I went to an all girls school and it was a parochial school also. So there was a competition on top of all that estrogen, right? <laughs> all that estrogen in there. And it's, and there are many ways, but I'll just share one with you. Um, comparison. I don't compare myself anymore. Um, and there's an, a beautiful phrase that I have embodied and it's, you don't compete where you don't compare. You know, and if I'm not in comparison, it's not a competition. If I'm not in comparison, I can celebrate another person. I can lift them up. I can learn from them also. But if I'm competing, if I'm comparing, then it's so hard to, 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 to embrace the sisterhood, you know, um, and so, so that's one of the, well, I think I shared more than one in, in trying to make it as succinct as possible. But these are all things I talk about, um, you know, in my coaching and in my programming. Um, these are things that, that come up for women um, as we go through the, you know, we, in, it, within my coaching, it's a 12-week coaching program, but I do four main quadrants and we dig deep into really understanding of the self. Um, and these are things that, that come up all the time. I, I can't tell you how many women it comes up for, but learning where to sit, to stand in your position of power and not compare yourself, but, but really grow from there, really be grounded and rooted there. Uh, and I, I usually say a woman who is grounded and secure in her uncompromised identity has the power to turn any crisis into a celebration for good. And this is an overarching statement that women who come through uh, working with me, at the beginning, it seems like such a big statement. But by the time we get to 12 weeks working together, they're there. They're able to say, yeah, yeah. When I'm 
when I'm grounded and secure in my uncompromised identity, I do have the power to turn any crisis into a celebration for good. And, and that's in all of this, all of it. Yeah. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give her? <laughs> Stop worrying about people who don't even matter. Not that they don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but I made people's opinion matter so much. I worried about who's watching me. And half the time, these people are so busy living their own lives, they don't even have time to think about you the way you think they're thinking about you. And, you know, here I, in my 20s, I made a lot of decisions based on what I thought would win people's approval. Yeah. Ooh, and you gave me the goosebumps because you took me back. Yeah, I made a lot of decisions there. Um, but I would tell my 20-year-old self, Katura, decide today. And decide actually in Greek, I think, or, or Latin, it means to cut off, right? So cut off anything else that doesn't matter to you. Decide today who you're going to become and be that person so that you can know how to do what needs to be done. And it's the be, do, have theory, right? Be her now. Don't wait for you to have what you think you need to have so you can be her. Be her now. And yeah, that's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, you know how to ask all the right <laughs> questions, young lady. <laughs> thank you. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Where can people connect with you? Oh, so you can, um, if you go to my website, it's www.k-e-t-u-r-a-h-r-o-s-a-t-o.com, katurarosado.com. Or you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the very same handle, Katura Rosado. You can also email me if you wanted to just shoot me an email, ask me a direct question. You can DM me. You can slide into my DMs too. You can do that. But if you want to make it, you know, more uh, professional or whatnot, you can go to hello at com and you can find me there. Oh, and you can also find me. Um, it, can, I, can I mention my <laughs> podcast? Okay. Uh, I do also host a podcast and it's called The Social Recharge. Um, it started off again with me talking directly to women to help give them tips and testimonials and just show them how to step into those triumphant stories um, in their own personal lives. But it has expanded, as I mentioned um, earlier, it has expanded and we're focusing on really bringing us together one conversation at a time. So if you, if you were one person who was like, yeah, I need a lot of that in these times right now. I need a lot of togetherness, connecting, you know, with our humanity, uh, our shared humanity, one conversation at a time. You can definitely find me um, on any, like wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the social recharge there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.